You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. H-A-W-G Sports.com. Arkansas with another disappointing loss. Four in a row now, and. They're going to have a tough time making, uh, stopping it from being five in a row with a trip to Tuscaloosa on Saturday. We're going to take a look back at the game against Ole Miss. We're going to bring Andrew Ellis on to talk a little bit about it and look ahead to the Alabama game as well. We're going to bring Danny West on as well to talk a little bit about recruiting. All that and more on today's episode of Hog Sports Live. Do you guys know all the ways to watch and listen to this show? You can watch on YouTube. You can watch on Facebook. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can think of to find your favorite podcast. If you haven't taken a moment to throw us a five-star review and you like the content on the show, uh, take a moment and do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd love to have that from you. Also, we always stream the show on Facebook Live. So if you're not following the page, become one of 90,000 Razorback fans uh, and join in and follow the page on Facebook Live. We always put all of our free content on Facebook so you can check it all out there also and of course we're on youtube you can subscribe to that channel and hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos 71 percent, 72 percent of the people that watch our videos aren't even subscribed so take a moment if you haven't done so already subscribe hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos where are we starting today Let's start with Arkansas and Mississippi State in two weeks. This one had 11 o'clock written all over it. Over it, Arkansas and Mississippi State are one of two of four teams in the SEC that have not won a conference game yet. Arkansas, Mississippi State's got a lot of reasons why they're struggling, obviously, with the passing of Mike Leach, a changeover in coaching and all that stuff, even though Arnett was there before. Arkansas, I'm not sure, really has a good excuse for going 0-4, 0-3 in SEC play. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but we'll talk about the challenges coming up with beating Alabama here in a minute. They're vast. 11 o'clock. I mean, you're away from home for four weeks, and you come home for an 11 o'clock game. It's just tough. It's tough for recruiting especially. I mean, you're not going to get a kid who had a night game in Dallas on the road coming home, getting home late at night, getting up in the crack of dawn to come to Fayetteville for an 11 o'clock game. So, kills recruiting. I mean, we knew this schedule was awful, and if you didn't win during that schedule at all, you're going to get stuck with an 11 o'clock game against Mississippi State and Fayetteville. So, that's tough. Mississippi State 3-3, and 0-3 SEC. Arkansas is 2-4, and 0-3 SEC. 11 o'clock, and what's the network? ESPN. ESPN, so at least it's on the mothership. It's better than 11 o'clock SEC Network game. For those of you ready ready to uh, transition over to basketball, you're going to have to wait a little bit. October 20th is the next game. UT Tyler, an exhibition, 6.30 p.m. That's a Friday in Bud Walton Arena. And then you get Purdue eight days later. That'll be fun. 
and Bud Walton, 3 o'clock game. And then the regular season starts on Monday, November 6th against Alcorn State, 7 p.m. SEC Network Plus. The Purdue game is also on SEC Network Plus. The UT Tyler game doesn't look like it's listed for television. So Arkansas has been disappointing in football, obviously. Not 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 what we expected entirely. Uh, if you are disappointed in your internet service, you should check out our friends at Ozarks Go. You can reach them at 479-684-4900, ozarksgo.net slash hog. I've been in the middle of a sneeze this entire intro, like halfway between a sneeze. I feel like I just stare at this light and I can get it out. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to be half sneeze this whole show. Ozarks Go. Ozarksgo.net slash hog. Um, offer several different tiers of internet service. You can get multi-gig, which is what I use, which is lightning fast. I use a lot of internet, obviously. We have a lot of devices. It's important for me to have uh, a good bandwidth, and that's what is delivered with Ozarks Go and uh, the multi-gig service. Gigabit's what I had before this, and it's fantastic too. I think it's probably great for most families. They offer several other tiers. Not going to jack your rates up. In year two, you're going to pay the same great rate in year one as you do year two, so you're not going to like see your steadily increasing uh, rate. And my experience has been 100% uptime, so that's fantastic, right? No complaints about the internet. Nobody who comes over has problems connecting to the internet. It's a great service. Northwest Arkansas, north of the tunnel, Missouri, Oklahoma. Go check them out at ozarksgo.net slash hog and find out if they're available in your area. Where to begin here? Let's take a quick look at Alabama before we look back. Alabama, according to the Bet Saracen app, is... Fifth, no, excuse me, 19.5-point favorites in this one. Obviously, we've seen Alabama smoke Arkansas way worse than that. Last year's game was 49-26 in Fayetteville. They played them pretty well the year before that in 2021. Arkansas had a pretty good team, nine-win team, and they lost 35-42. The year before that, 52-3, and we've seen a lot of 52-0 scores. 2013, 52-0, 2012-52-0. Alabama has not lost at home. Well, they haven't lost to a team with a losing record since 2007, since Saban's first year. ULM, I think, was 4-6 and six at the time. They went on to go 6-6. Six and six. That's the last time Saban lost to – Arkansas, like the idea of Arkansas having lost to these guys 15 years in a row, and that's not including the two vacated games, really 17 years. Is it right, 17 years in a row? No. No, that's right, 15. So 2007, they vacated the game, and then 2005, they had a vacated game also, not 2006, because Arkansas uh, won that game, 24-23. Regardless, it's been 15 years, technically, since Arkansas has beaten Alabama. They're not just going to take this 2-4 and four team to Tuscaloosa and knock off, what, 10-11 Alabama? 10-11 ranked Alabama? Just, I mean, I, I feel like they're still battling for Sam Pittman, and you know that's maybe different than what we saw with the Chad Morris era, where the guys just let go of the rope. They wouldn't fight for their coaches. You got internal problems. This coach doesn't like that coach. This player doesn't like that player. The old guys don't like the the rookies. The offense doesn't like the defense. It was just disastrous, and they're getting smoked by teams that they way outclass. I talked about that a little on the walk and talk. It's not what's happening here. They're still battling. They're losing some tough games. You still got to beat BYU at home heading into this four-game stretch that they had on the road. I mean, everybody knew that. And then you needed to pick one of those off. Not not all of them, just one. One of those four games. And then you're in good shape to potentially win eight games that season, you know. Finish out four and one. Finish out the rest of the year. 
but that's not how the season has gone so far. It's been very disappointing. And it's and it's the offense. I mean, like they Sam Pittman identified that they have problems on defense, right? He identified that, and they went out and got Travis Williams, Darren Wilson, Marcus Woodson. I mean, they really answered a lot of issues on defense because they recognized, and they brought in you know four transfer defensive linemen who are all very key players, two transfer linebackers, both key players. And what four four defensive backs who were all playing a major role for him? Why didn't they recognize it on the offensive line? You know they brought in Josh Braun, who arguably be, might be the guy playing the best for him on the offensive line. But you, we can go back and look at like the recruiting efforts from uh, you know past year, Sam Pittman's first year, twenty twenty. It's brutal to have to start off like that, twenty twenty, and. You know, you go out and you bring in three guys. None of them are here anymore. In fact, there's only two guys, Jashad Stewart and Dominic Johnson, are the only two players on the roster from that 2020 recruiting class. It's a tough turnaround. you got a partial staff, if that, not even most of your staff, less than half of your staff uh, already assigned. And you got a couple of weeks to go out and recruit. It's a difficult deal to do in 2020. And then 2021, uh, you had to go, you know, with COVID restrictions. You weren't able to go out. And, you know, the guys from the 2021 class, none of those guys are really battling. You know, Terry Wells has been banged up. Cole Carson hadn't really pushed for playing time. It's just like, you know, early on, I get that there's those issues. And other teams didn't really necessarily have to deal with those. However, the transfer portal is there now. You can go out and quickly revamp things. This defense is fine. Like, it's not an elite defense, but when you compare it relative to past Arkansas defenses and certainly what they had last year, I would take this defense all the time. And I've heard people com- like actually complaining about the defense. Defense is playing well enough for them to, aside from like the LSU game, the second half, they didn't obviously play very well in that one. But for the most part, they're playing well enough for you to beat and be in these games. If you had this defense and last year's offense, we might be talking about a 10-win team. I just don't understand like why, how they didn't recognize that there were going to be such big issues on the offensive line. And, yes, there's other issues. You know, K.J. Jefferson not hitting open receivers, probably thinking too much, trying to be too perfect, and making mistakes because of that, and not just being the K.J. Jefferson we all know and love that he can be. And it's frustrating to see him out there struggling in this offense. Um, the offense could be a problem, too. Making such a big change, it's obviously something that's making K.J. you know, have to think more about, try to be perfect. He's got a lot on the line, you know, thinking, you know, next level after this season. And that's looking super sketchy right now. So there's a lot of issues like that that K.J.'s dealing with. You know, there's an example of a video, uh, you know, when he had that quarterback draw, if he just cuts it outside, then it's – it just runs it. It's not like it even a cut. It's just like run outside. But, I, you know, I know the guy's getting banged up. He's getting hammered over and over again. They had five sacks on Saturday. Um, you know, in addition to the runs, you know, when he's running the ball and he's getting hit, he's trying to be perfect in the offense. He got a lot on the line. He's a lot of pressure. And he doesn't trust his offensive line. And why would he? Why would he, why would he trust him? I mean – I can't even tell really if Dan Enos is a good play caller or not, and everybody's just like throwing stuff at their screen right now because I said that because I didn't just bash the hell out of Dan Enos. But they can't block anybody. I mean, 
And I think it was probably a bit of an overreaction. And I'm looking at it too. You know, I'm going like, okay, well, move Kudis inside. That makes a lot more sense than, you know, out on the edge where he's obviously not effective. But that just kind of made everything out of sync. And they kind of wasted a half doing that with the offensive line. But I'm right there too. I'm thinking anything's better than what they've been putting out there. So shuffling this around makes total sense. These guys have practiced those spots before. It makes total sense. But it wasn't the right move. And we saw the offensive line block better on Saturday after that, you know. So it's just you can't run the ball. You can't run the ball, so you're not going to be able to pass the ball. Defense can just pin their ears and come back, come after you. It's a, they're averaging 111 yards a game. This is an offense that did – like the last two years, they've averaged like 230 yards per game on the ground. And they're less than half as good as that right now. That's just astonishing. It's astonishing that it's changed so much and that the undoing of this 2023 football team in year four under Pittman would be the offensive line. That's doesn't make any sense, doesn't add up. I mean, Pittman is a guy that you – I mean, was, you know, arguably the top offensive line coach in the entire country when Arkansas hired him. It's just you never would have expected it. And that's probably a mistake that I made when I'm looking at this team and saying, okay, I think this team can win eight games. I, I still think that they have the talent everywhere except for the offense. They're just not ready on the offensive line, and it's just kind of blowing everything up. It really is. Four and two, asking for four and two right now, I don't think is insane for them to be four and two, and even accepting that they'll be four and three after this Alabama game or would be. I don't think that's like super lofty expectations for this team. I think it's reasonable expectations super frustrating penalties have been a huge issue I mean like Brady Latham suddenly just can't stay on I mean he just keeps he just keeps false starting like where is this coming from I've never seen Brady on his on his on the ground so much as an offensive lineman where where is all this coming from Devon Manuel deal absolutely has hurt him you know they were counting on him and I reported you know I thought Devon was looking pretty good in camp and when he's been in there, like when he came in against LSU, I thought he was, you know, definitely better than Chambly played. But Chambly and Kudis, just not, they're just not ready yet. They're not ready for these edge guys. Penalties, poor technique on the offensive line. And that's not just like me saying it. Like I'm talking about like, you know, people who are former players and like, you know, DJ Williams has broken this thing down also. Like, you know, people who, um, you know, analysts and stuff, you know, point to this kind of stuff like – Bad technique, but at the same time, these guys just aren't physically ready yet to compete against some of these guys. They're just not. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
that we can point to past offensive line issues and recruiting, but this is the transfer portal era. And I bet you if Sam Pittman could go back and do it again, then he would have added a couple of more offensive linemen, at least one more, but a couple more probably. And then, you know, you got a question about Ty Washington. Like, why is Ty Washington – like, he's not good enough to play, but the first series he catches five passes for 56 yards and a touchdown, has seven for 90 and two touchdowns on the whole day. But, and like, where was he against Texas A&M? You got tight ends out there who can't block, can't catch, and they're playing over Ty Washington, and then we see that from him. Like, what, what, what did it take? They just need to see a window, an opportunity – and showed out in practice because Pittman saw it in practice. Why wasn't it seen up till now? And I know they had Luke has, but they also run a ton of two tight sets. So, anyway, it's going to be tough. I mean, damn near impossible to go to Tuscaloosa and win. I'm not giving it a 0% chance, but pretty close. You never say 0%, but it's, it's pretty close. All right, we're going to go to Andrew Ellis now. I'm sure Andrew's got some wildly wildly entertaining things to say to us. He was in Tuscaloosa, or excuse me, he was in Tuscaloosa. He was in Oxford last weekend. For those of you who don't follow Andrew, you can follow him at Andrew Ellis 24-7. He's the Hog Sports, soon to be senior writer. Andrew, how you doing, man? Trey Biddy, I'm doing wonderful today. How was your trip how to Oxford? You? I, we had a we honestly we had a great trip to Oxford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went in with the mindset of like, no matter what happens in this game, nothing can take this trip from us. You know, we're just gonna, <laughs> especially because the game was at six thirty. So there's a yeah. lot of a lot of trip before that game. So it's like we mm-hmm. had plenty of time to enjoy ourselves and kind of just do what we had to do, explore the the square, Oxford, the city. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually didn't even stay in Oxford. We stayed in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, checked out Memphis the night before, but uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Uh, and then we had to watch this football team play another game and uh, it got a lot less fun yeah that's that's what's happened this whole season it's uh i mean at least they battled you know i mean like they don't have an offensive line they make mistakes they're you know there's questionable decisions and here and there but like at least they battle you know they they you can tell they're fighting for him for Pittman, whereas that's different than what we saw under the shad morris regime but they just don't have the ho- the, the horses to uh to compete i mean and then you got kj throwing two interceptions just very uncharacteristic stuff compared to what we've seen from kj in past years not not so much uncharacteristic from what we've seen this year no i i think you uh you nailed it right there and i think that's what's honestly more disappointing or shocking i guess is that you know like we've seen coaches when when, when the coaching tenure is about to be over you can always tell it's over because the team mails it in you right. know you lose the team before you lose the job you know and it doesn't look like it definitely doesn't look like that like, this doesn't look like 2017 Brett Bielema seasons. This definitely doesn't look like any 2018 or 19 Chad Morris, where it's like it's just clear that the team is not really in there. It's, it, there's a disconnect there, and I, I don't feel that at all. When I talk to – you know, when we talk to the players, it doesn't seem like that. You talk to whoever, and you're at practice, it doesn't feel like that. Same. But yeah. it just seems like they just – whatever the best version of this football team is, and really I'm just going to go with the offense. Let's. I don't want to leave the defense out of it because I – you know, I think you you would agree they played well enough to win the other night. Yes, I think they've played well enough to win a lot. Um, I think they've done they've done about what you can ask for out of them. It's not like they're a, they're an elite defense. They're not shutting dudes out or anything, but they're giving you a chance to win. And their you know, the offense just isn't taking it. But if you just look at this offense piece by piece, like we've seen what KJ Jefferson can do 
You know, it's like we have a pretty solid sample size of evidence that K.J. Jefferson is a good, competent quarterback. And I would even argue that there's a pretty high ceiling with what you could do with K.J. Jefferson. Heck, I might even say there's a pretty high floor just because of his skill set of like, you know, he he brings what he brings in the run game. He typically makes pretty smart decisions. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way a ton, although that's changed a little bit this year. I mean, career high interceptions through six games. But again, these are not K.J. Jefferson traits that we've been seeing for three years. You know, it's like, we're seeing whatever – I think this is this has to be the worst possible version of K.J. Jefferson on a college offense. I would say Rocket Sanders, who we haven't seen a ton of a sample size because he's been injured and in and out and all that. But what from what we've seen from Rocket Sanders, this has to be the absolute worst-case scenario for his junior season, I would say. Um, and I think you yeah. can say that about a, a few different things. It seems like you're just not getting the full potential of any pieces on your offense. And, I mean, that goes for man for man. I mean, Patrick Kudis seems like a guy who's going to – play guard in the NFL for a decade. I think everyone in recruiting kind of saw that. I mean, he, he was a guy that this coaching staff loved. They were they couldn't believe they got him. And, you know, he seemed like he was a late bloomer, seemed like a perfect Sam Pittman kind of offensive line prospect. And they seems like they can't find a position for him. And the, the position is staring him right in the face. He's an NFL guard. Like, I don't understand why. Like, it hasn't even been a consideration for him to play guard. It's like, oh, well, maybe we'll play him out at tackle because we need a tackle. We'll move him back inside, but we're going to make him have to call the defenses, and he's going to have to be responsible for identifying all these movements as a true sophomore. And it's like, I don't know. It just seems like it seems like every single piece on the roster. I mean, you mentioned Brady Latham, who we've seen be a productive offensive lineman in the SEC. We've seen Bo Limmer be a productive offensive lineman in the SEC. Every single piece, man for man, is underachieving. And I'm not blaming these players. Like I just feel like you're whatever it is offensively, I'm just surprised it has gone this south. You know, like yeah. it wasn't like when they hired Dan Enos, we all looked around and we're like, what the heck? How'd they do that? It just, I think we all just kind of were like, okay, there's some familiarity there. Like, you know, I'm sure they know each other from their time. Like maybe there's some kind of a master plan here. This seems like a good guy to get the most out of your senior quarterback. And it's just I can't believe how poorly it's gone. I yeah. mean I really don't know how else to say it. Like it, I can't believe it's gone this poorly. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I don't think that – I mean, when they hired Enos, it's not like, well, this is the greatest offensive coordinator in the world, but you've got a senior quarterback coming back in KJ who knows how to beat teams, and you figured that Enos would bring that technical aspect to the to the table with him from his – you know, he's coached a lot of quarter. There's like six or seven quarterbacks that are in the NFL right now that Enos coached, you know, um, and you figured that that's what he was going to bring to the table, but – the it has just not been a very good marriage, and I'll go back to this too, Andrew. I'm not even sure if Enos is calling terrible plays or not because there's no blocking. There's nobody. There's not a scheme in the world that you can put out there uh, that's going to thrive with poor pass blocking or run block. And and if you can't run block, then you can't. I mean, you got to have both. You have to have balance, and that's been something that's always, you know, I mean, been a hallmark of this offense was being able to run the ball and, you know, pick some great times to throw. Now, listen, Trey, people, people don't like excuses in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody enjoys hearing them, but excuses can be valid and you can like, that can be a thing that we can hear you out on. If you're a head coach that is coming off a loss or has a bad team underachieving, like whatever there, there can be valid reasons for why, you know, cause not every coach, every good coach in the country has a great season every year. There's perfectly valid. Your quarterback gets hurt or, you know, we were just super young this year, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like <laughs> I, I honestly think Sam Pittman needs a PR guy to tell him like, Hey, we got to get our excuses in a row because every time you ask about one position group, the blame gets deflected to a different one. It's like when you ask about the O line, it's like, well, 
our running backs aren't making people miss, our quarterbacks holding the ball too long, receivers aren't getting open. Then you're like, hey, does Isaac Tislaw have an issue getting open? And he's like, oh, well, no, we just don't have any time to throw. It's like, oh, is KJ having an issue? Like, is he holding the ball too long? It's like, oh, well, he doesn't have confidence because the O-line is bad. And you just ask about any position group, the blame gets deflected one other direction. Yeah. And it seems like there's there's – it almost seems like he's trying to convince us everything's fine. He's like, oh, no, we're a good football team. We're close or whatever. And it's like people can see the games. Like it's been six we're, – we're halfway through the year here. It's like we can see that the product is bad. We just need to be told why is this product bad? Like what is it exactly mm-hmm. that's gone wrong? And it seems like he's trying to convince us that nothing has gone wrong. And it's like I, we, we can see something's going on. I just want to – you know, I just want some honesty in terms of just like, hey, this offensive line, like in the spring they were awesome and now they suck. Like – he said that like okay and he kind of did when you asked him about that he was like oh no everything was fine in the spring it's just like i'm having a hard time believing that there were these issues weren't there before like you were saying earlier like how did how did they not realize it was going to be this bad mm-hmm. or at least realize it was going to be an issue and you know he cites like oh we need we just need to get devin Manuel back and it's like devin Manuel's what do you mean back like he's never been a, a routine member of the offensive line mm-hmm. at any point in his career and not, you know he's a redshirt sophomore so it's not like a problem but it's like that can't be your saving grace. You know, the redshirt sophomore who's never played. And he mentioned Tykes Crawford today, which kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, what? It's like, that's the reason. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like when we ask for, when we, you know, people get mad that the media doesn't ask questions. It's like when the questions get asked, the answers are so weird mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like there's straight information or true information coming back, no matter where it's being asked. So it's like, I don't really know. It just seems like there's no progression happening either. And that's that's another thing that makes it so disappointing when you watch these games is like if, if, if they really were making progress week to week and kind of cleaning up issues and then different issues arise or whatever, it'd be one thing. But it's like I think it's just a it's just not a very good football team. And yeah. it's just it's just disappointing because I think that among, whatever our expectation was for this year, I just don't think we thought Arkansas would be a bad football team and, and they might be a bad football team. I, I just think it's it's so interesting that like they identified the issues on defense and fixed them. I mean, they put a competent defense out there, and you know they're they're not like that far away when you consider all the problems that they've had. You know, they lost to BYU by seven, which just can't happen in your backyard with the stretch coming up that they have. But they lost to BYU by seven. They lost at LSU by three. They lost, you know, to Texas A&M. They were handled, obviously. The defense played pretty well, but the offense was just. I mean, stagnant. And then they lost by seven on the road in Oxford. You know, individually, each of those games, aside from BYU, I could say LSU, yes, they should be favored to lose that game. Texas A&M, they should be favored to lose that game. Ole Miss, they should be favored to lose that game. However, they should win one of them. They should win one of them. It shouldn't be like an overwhelming odds against them winning these games. They should have won one of those road games, and they damn sure should have beaten BYU at home. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about this. They'd be right on track to where uh, we would expect, even with some of the issues that uh, that they're experiencing. But it's been too many penalties here and there. It's been no running game whatsoever. And, you know, KJ's been off, and the offensive line has just been terrible. Yeah, and I, and I think the BYU game is the one you mentioned where it's like, I know it's tough to be like it all comes down to one game. But it's like one game can change everything. You know, oh, yeah. they just change our perception, entire feel. And look, like I don't want to put too much pressure here because they're they're going to lose to Bama this weekend regardless of what we say or what they do or what right. happened in the previous few weeks. And it's and, and so I don't think that like them losing to Bama is going to be another sign of their demise. But sure. I'll tell you this, it ain't going to help. Like right. I don't know why they would you know why, like so I'm I'm just curious as to know like what's happening this week because it's like obviously. 
you can come come here and tell us like oh yeah we're going in here trying to beat Alabama and all that but it's like it's bigger than that you know like I feel like you, there needs to be some signs that need to start happening of like okay there actually is some something to build on here there's mm-hmm. some progression happening there's some development or whatever but yeah and it, I don't know it just seems it just seems really funky and you know every year you go into college football every college football team you have your teams that you're supposed to beat or that you're better than that you should be you have your teams you're not supposed to beat maybe you win one of those every now and then maybe you don't not a requirement necessarily but you have those games that you're supposed to lose and then there's usually about five to six games that it's kind of 50 50 mm-hmm. and i know that Ole miss game probably wasn't really 50 50 because you have Ole miss at home or whatever but it feels like they caught Ole miss at a great time i mean that was not the best yeah. version of Ole miss i mean yeah. that's probably the worst game they're gonna play like you know they're gonna play the rest of the year I felt like that was a prime opportunity you can make the same argument for LSU. It seems like that might have been the worst game that LSU offense is going to play all year, and they kind of missed their opportunity there. Um, you know, BYU is what it is, but it's like, as, you know, I don't, I just don't think you can kind of chalk them all up and be like, ah, you know, we just we were close here, we were close here, we were close here. It's like, you know, if those are 50-50 games, you got to win, you got to win some of those, and you can't spend all off season being like, I hope things line up, and you know, we can talk ourselves into whatever the best case scenario is, but it's like you got to win some of the games you're not supposed to win, you know, mm-hmm. like every now and then it just feels like you can count on one hands over the last four years of games that they've really risen above and beaten someone they weren't supposed to beat, you know, like Ole Miss this past weekend. Yeah. All right, Andrew, 19 and a half. We'll get you out with this 19 and a hook. You think Arkansas can cover that? I think they can cover it. I, I don't think they will. I feel like, uh, Bama offensively is not like firing on all cylinders, but I've watched Bama a lot and it seems like they're, Getting better. Starting to find a little yeah. bit of something. Like, Jalen Milrow is not nearly as bad as people thought he was early on in the year. He definitely wasn't, like, the issue with this this offense or anything. But, uh, I, you know, Bama's got plenty of talent, and it seems like they're try- they're, they're slowly but surely picking things up. And so I, I got a feeling that Arkansas is going to be uh, in for a long one. But I don't think it's going to be, like, a, an indictment of Sam Pittman or anything. I just think this is going to be a tough matchup regardless, even if Arkansas was clicking. But, uh yeah, I think nineteen and a half. I think Bama can uh, can cover that one. Yeah, yeah. And Milrose, he's he's a home run, is what he is. He take it to the house on you on the ground and throws a good deep <laughs> yeah. ball. Absolutely. All, All right, right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, Trey. Yeah, have, man. Have a, have a good one. All right, appreciate you, Andrew. That's Andrew Ellis, everybody. Again, you can follow him at Andrew Ellis twenty four seven, and he's been with us for over two years now, and does just a fantastic job and. Um, just getting better and better the more time he's with us. So go check him out at, at Andrew Ellis 24-7 and follow him at hogsports.com. All right, everybody, let's go to Danny West now. I know you guys are following Danny. Danny's been with us for a long time and does a great job. Danny, there's just so much recruiting stuff going on right now. <laughs> yep. Yep, we're going to have to – we're going to need a two-hour show today. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> it's just it's just that time of year when you don't have any home games and it's just kind of a, a bit of a lull in recruiting. But you know as well as I do that it's coming. and It's coming. Yeah, and uh, then the transfer portal hits. I mean, what? how ridiculous though, Danny, before we get into it, like the NCAA shortened the window from 60 days to 45 mm-hmm. on the transfer portal window. That didn't make a damn bit of difference. It's still too long. Like, it's, uh, people don't realize that just means that's how long you have to get in the portal. It doesn't, yeah. they can still recruit you out sure. of the portal <laughs> infinitely, yeah. you know, up until the season starts. So it, it's, it's almost just a pointless thing. I mean, you really need about two weeks to get into yeah. the portal. I was hoping for a little more um, trimming than that, but mm-hmm. hey, we'll take it. That's a start. Knock off 15 days at 
it helps a little bit so you're right buddy that's coming down the pipe really soon but um as far as recruiting uh, we could start there i'm sure yeah. you want to get into the games and uh but i'm going to try to bring a little positivity to the show today <clears throat> and talk yeah. about some of these uh committed guys who are playing really well uh, uh, as seniors and juniors we've got a couple of guys to talk about in the 2025 class but if that's cool with you i just yep. want to run through some some guys and, and say something positive this week try to shake it up a little bit let's hear it switch up switch up the mojo i'm gonna start with charlie collins at little rock mills just a staggering stat line right now trey 71 tackles 25 tackles for loss he's about midway through the season by the way regular season 12 sacks excuse me got three forced fumbles a fumble recovery four pass breakups a blocked punt he's got three rushing touchdowns a receiving touchdown and arkansas definitely needs to hold on to that guy you know other teams are still trying to get charlie to no surprise he's one of the the top defensive linemen in the country and his statistics are are backing that up right now so Mm -hmm. that's a positive again you know teams are still coming at him trey they just are so gotta hold on to that one let me clear my throat real quick hold on trey let me clear my throat i had to put you on mute for that one that was uh <laughs> that was one of the old grandpa clearing up the throat right there hey uh jaden ball you know i talk about him i try to mention him at least once a week on here just to prove my point but i really like the guy out of columbia high school in decatur georgia having a really good senior year through seven games he's got 854 rushing yards 338 in receiving five touchdowns and he's got 35 tackles and an interception on defense. So, you know, a couple of guys there that stick out. Courtney Crutchfield, all three of your receivers really are doing a, a good job this season. Courtney Crutchfield has seven or eight touchdowns. C.J. Brown has about the same. And I want to say Ashton uh, Bethel-Roman has seven touchdowns on the year. So with with that, I'll move to the uh, 2025 quarterback commitment, Grayson Wilson. <clears throat> He's really having a good year, too, for CAC. And uh, they won a thriller Friday night, 44 to 43. So I think they're seven and one. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Sorry, Trey. I've got a little sickness going on here. We'll get through it. But Grayson has hit 68% for uh, 1,900 yards. And 24 passing touchdowns with only one pick. That's really, really good. And then he's rushed for almost 500 yards, Mm. 495 to be exact, with eight more rushing touchdowns there. So, again, 7-1 and on the year, I think. And uh, that's a really good start. That's not to overshadow or skip past K.J. Jackson, your 2024 
quarterback commitment will throw his uh, stats out there as well. He's thrown for 20 touchdowns with only two picks. He's rushed for 275, and he's got four touchdowns on the ground. I think he's 5-2 right. and two on the year. So, you know, I'm gigging at the bottom <laughs> here for any positive news I can find, but there it is, man. You've, you've really got some good news on the way there with uh, with several of these guys showing out. That's what you want to see. I know mm-hmm. everybody's tired of hearing about recruiting. None of those guys are offensive linemen who can go down to Alabama this week and help you win, right? Yeah. I, I get it, but I do think it's still important uh, to, you know, to see what you've got. They do have a really good class. I think they're still missing a few pieces, coincidentally, again, on the offensive and defensive fronts, but uh, we'll see how they shake that out. And, of course, uh, uh, to nobody's surprise now, it wouldn't shock me at all if we see some heavy transfer options on the offensive line especially. I don't think that's fooling anybody or breaking any news there. But on the D-line too, man, you know, we've kind of seen a trend over the last three or four years under Coach Pitt. They're going to hit defensive tackles very heavily in the portal. And a lot of that is because you can't get the same um, equivalent as what your neighbors do, right, out of high school in the SEC. So I would fully expect that to continue again this year, of course, with the tragic passing of Dion Stutz. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you talk about it from a people perspective all day, but at some point, I mean, that catches up with your football class too. Right? It's just our job to talk about stuff like that. And, uh, of course, they lost one there that I felt uh, really good about. You think about last year, had a kid flip, Stephen – Steven somebody from Georgia, Trey, they, I've got about 500 names every year, but they lost one to, <laughs> yeah. to Auburn last year, uh, big fella out of Georgia. And I don't know, it's two years in a row where I think guys like that in a couple of years probably really would have helped you out on the D-line. So taking a long way about it there, I would fully expect this is probably going to be another class, transfer class, where we see heavy on the interior defensive line as well as offense. Danny West joining us. You can follow him at Danny West 24-7, the Hog Sports recruiting analyst. Danny, how good is this 11 a.m. kickoff against uh, excuse me, Mississippi State in Fayetteville after four weeks on the road for recruiting? Sarcasm. Yeah. Hey, that's, you get what you get, man. Yeah. You earned it. You yeah. know, I you mean, earned 11 it, it o'clock sucks. games. Yep. Yeah. And, and you have to wonder, like, Maybe they would. I don't know this, but if you had beaten BYU, do you still get? I haven't seen the full slate of games for that week, but um, maybe you don't get stuck with an eleven if you have a little bit better record. I don't know, but yeah. it's it's definitely not ideal. I'm sure next week we'll start putting together visit lists, but um, definitely not expecting like a huge official visit weekend, which is not um, you know not surprising uh coach Pitt obviously does not like in season and most coaches don't like in season officials anymore yeah definitely uh, gone away guys, from that mm-hmm. yeah you got to get away from that and I, I totally agree with it if you can get them there unofficially have at it but um Trey I wanted to get your opinion on something I see they're doing away with these uh, photo shoots for unofficial visitors have you seen this new ruling that came uh-uh. out, I want to say, last week? So, uh, yeah, they're making a push to take away these big, fancy, um, professional, uh, professionally done photo shoots where you have outside, you know, third-party photographers come in and take all these fancy pictures with backdrops and stuff. Now, my understanding was it's still going to be available for um, official visitors, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you think about all those cookouts in July and all the junior days early in the year. 
that's always been a really big part of i mean a lot of times that's the hold up on a commitment what, We're what, waiting on guys to right. get ready with their uh with their pictures and graphics but why I just wanted to get i, I don't know just I don't to do know. something I, I evidently but i mean i thought that was uh i don't know uh, nobody's really talking about it but i thought it was a pretty big deal i mean that's one of the I mean, I would say if if you ask ten recruits, I bet more than half of them say that's by far their favorite part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they love that stuff. So I don't know. It just it struck me as weird that nobody's really talking about that. But, yeah, oh, um, that's curious. Curious to see how that shakes out. It's a weird ruling. Yeah, All right. another one. Another one from the NCAA. Weird yeah. ruling. Yeah, let's do something else. It's pointless. All right, yeah. Danny. Appreciate you, brother. You got it, man. All right, everybody. We'll that's Danny West. You can follow him at Danny West twenty four seven on Twitter. And if you want to read his VIP recruiting coverage, you need a subscription to hogsports.com. And the good news for you is it's just one dollar right now for your first month at HAWGsports.com. More good news is that Ozarks Go may be in your area. They're getting a foothold in Rogers. They're north of the tunnel and just spreading out day by day. So if you want to find out more about Ozarks Go, go to ozarksgo.net slash H-A-W-G, or you can call them at 479-684-4900. It's a local company. So you're going to talk to somebody local. You're not going to get somebody in a call center who has no idea about the area and has to look up all this stuff. Uh, These people probably know what's going on with Razorback football right now, so you can talk to them about that if you need to as well. But reach out to our friends at ozarksgo.net slash hog. They offer multi-bit, which is 2,500 megabits per second internet speed. They offer internet speeds of 1,000 megabits per second, which is called their gigabit, and they offer several other tiers, a great rate, very reliable two nice gentlemen came over to my house and hooked things up and they were in and out and uh, everything has worked since that day two and a half years ago everything's worked never unplugged and replugged none of that nobody's ever came hey dad i can't get the internet to work honey my show's off none of that just reliable service from our friends at ozarks go ozarksgo.net slash h-a-w-g find out if they're available in your area I mean, do you guys have any decent questions today, or is it just complaints? <laughs> Let's see what we got. We'll take a look at it. We got to get out of here pretty quick though, because we got practice and we got radio early today. I'm on 4:30 drive time today. It's kind of how it's been on Mondays, because practice is at 5:10 during my segment. Don't want to miss that. Uh, somebody asking about Sam Bakke. He could have helped him this year. He was injured, had a torn ACL preseason camp. Try your beat before the game started. Get your lip off the keyboard, Gogs. <laughs> Get your lip off the keyboard. Andrew has great takes, especially on here. Yeah, Andrew does a great job. We're going to bring you more of Andrew Ellis coming up soon. Don't worry about that. KJ needs to have a game he's capable of. Stop calling for Criswell. I agree, Cody. I mean, I think Criswell can play, but I don't think he's like the answer. I mean, we've seen KJ get it done. He just he needs to get out of his own head, I think. I think he's just probably a lot of pressure on him. I mean, like right now we're looking at KJ's situation thinking, you know, going into the season, like this guy's got a chance, outside chance to maybe play his way into getting, you know, a draft pick. And right now it's just you feel for him because it just looks like that's just not going to happen, you know. Kind of the same deal we felt with Tyler Wilson. Tyler did get drafted, but um, obviously didn't stick in the NFL. I think things might have gone different from him had – uh, 2012 not went the way it did. Dylan Horton says, hell, move someone. And by that, I mean, like, he would have gotten drafted higher 
instead of the fourth round, and you know, team might have felt more obligated to to continue on with him and give him the shot that he deserved to get. Dylan Horton says he'll move someone from the D line to the O line. I mean, at this point in the season, Dylan, it's just like that's a that's a spring move, you know. It's a maybe a fall camp move. That's just not middle of the season. I mean, like even shuffling guys around like they tried to do and didn't work out, but. That seemed like something that could plausible, you know, be plausible, could uh, possibly help them. But obviously, it just it wasn't the right move. It's just these are these are moves you make at a different time of the season. So Dylan Horton says, "Why is there no Joey Sewer or Street? Might as well try them." No, they're not ready yet. Like, just not. That's not. KJ needs to have a game. Like Lane New says. Uh, see, Abby Green says, "I just want to know." I just want to let you know that my name is pronounced Avi. Okay. Avi Green. And I think I was suggesting that in the last week, B. Beerman and Bennett. Uh, okay. Avi. Um, Tamara Bolding says if your O line can't block, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's absolutely right. Evan Baker says the hardest part of the schedule is over. After Saturday, do you think they will salvage the last of the season and become bowl eligible? Let's see. Well, I mean, I, I think about probably remember who they got. They got Mississippi State, and then they have a bye week, and then they're at Florida, and then is it Auburn, and then FIU, and then Missouri? I think. I mean, you got to win four of those. That's a tall order. They have to win the Mississippi State game. The Mississippi State game is a must-win. It's a must-win. And, you know, I know people are frustrated with the season. It's not what you thought. It's not what you wanted. But you still have to battle and try to get to that sixth win. And then, you know, what is that Missouri – like if, they're, if they've got five wins going against Missouri, who Missouri is better than most people thought they were. Uh, but the game is in Fayetteville. You could – there could be a – who knows what the sense is, the, the, the vibe, the feeling is around Sam Pittman or – um, this team's, you know, chances to get to a bowl game because Missouri has certainly spoiled, you know, decent seasons by Arkansas in the past where they brought, you know, they've had pretty good teams and they've lost the game. Um, so maybe Arkansas can can turn that around on Missouri for once. Aaron Latham says, I think you can be a great position coach and a subpar head coach as a head coach. You have to worry about the whole team and not the position group. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, Pittman's led him to nine wins before. It's not like he's just had no success whatsoever. But, I mean, it's, it's obviously a trend downward. I mean, you go from eight regular season wins, nine with the bowl game, uh, six regular season wins, seven with the bowl game, and now you're looking like you're going to struggle just to get to a bowl game this year. You know, that's not the trend that you want, especially when you've, you know, been here four years. And, you know, the first year is tough with the COVID year. I mean, that's – and it impacted the, the next year also. But, again, if you guys don't – aren't supporters of the transfer portal, like how does this team look right now without a transfer portal? I mean, like there's nine players playing a key role on defense right now from the last transfer portal class. And that doesn't even count. Nudie McLaughlin or Landon Jackson. Joey Say says, I don't understand how the OL play and the upper class has been support. I can understand Limmer a little bit moving to center, and maybe he's just a guard. 
And uh, but Latham is the one that's been perplexing. Like I don't think I've ever seen him. Maybe he's injured. Pittman talked about hand injuries and stuff. Maybe that's something going on with Latham. But he's also jumping off sides and stuff. I mean, it's just so uncharacteristic of that guy. It's just surprising. I mean, it just is. Zachary Beeler says, Trey, what's your prediction for the the basketball team national championship? Cody L. James, <laughs> Final Four. I'll give you that Final Four. I think I think they got a potential to have a really good team. Curtis probably be better at person to ask. Grant Baker, Andrew Ellis, probably all better people to ask than me on the basketball team. But I like the makeups of the team. Cody L. James says he knows it's a natty. Yeah, you knew what I was going to say. Tony Holly says, I'm so ready for a change. No bowl game this year. Get a QB ready for next year. You know, my opinion on this is the best thing for Arkansas is – like this doesn't – like, it hurts me that this is is going this way for Sam because I love Sam Pittman. I think he's a great guy. I think the kids love him. Um, I want it to work out for him. I really do. And it's hard for me, and I know I have a job to do and go ask tough questions and stuff, and I do my job to the best of my ability. But at the same time, I'm not enjoying myself doing that. And I'm not enjoying it when I was doing it with, with Chad either. But with Chad, I could just see, you know, it was over. Like – this team was not fighting for this guy. This team did not believe in him. I mean, it was obvious. That's not the same thing that I'm seeing with Sam Pittman just when I go to practice, when I go to press conferences and stuff, when I talk to players, when I talk to people in and around the program. That is not the vibe that you get with Pittman. It's just not. And that's why it it sucks that it's not working out because it's just it's hard to find a guy like that that everybody believes in, but at the same time, that's just that's not enough wins. You have to win. You have to win. That's the bottom line in this conference. Pittman knows it. You know it, and I know it. He has got to win if he's going to stick around here. So I'm not. I, I see people saying stuff like, "I hope they lose so they'll fire him." Get out of here. That's just ridiculous. That's a ridiculous attitude. I mean, only a child would say something like that. I think. I think I would assume these are, you know, like children saying that kind of stuff. All right. We're going to have to cut it off. I went longer than I wanted to anyway, but uh, we do have practice and I got to get to it. So, all right, everybody. I want to thank Andrew Ellis for joining us. Thanks for Danny West joining us. Appreciate all your questions. Sorry I wasn't get, able to get to uh, all of them for you guys, but. Um, yeah, I got to get to practice. So we'll be back with you guys on Thursday for the primer. Uh, hopefully, have a representative from um, the Alabama side over here, and Curtis Wilkerson will be joining us as well. All that and more on the next episode of Hog Sports Live. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.